This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Hello and welcome to another edition of Bridging the Gap. Thank you so much for taking some time to and spending some time with me here on Bridging the Gap. And I'm really excited about this episode. It's something that I've been uh, really passionate about lately. And I think that uh, something that we can all learn from, especially from a story that I have with a friend. And and I'm excited to get into that. And, and Bridging the Gap, I just want to remind everybody, we're, what we're looking to do here is to help financial advisors and really the entire advisory industry bridge the gap between where the industry and our business is today and where our industry will be in the future. We want to ensure that we stay up with the trends as an industry, that we stay up with the innovation and that we ultimately evolve our business with some of the innovation that's happening both technologically and just theoretically and process-oriented wise to evolve our business to ensure the best experience for the end client. This is all about the end client. Everything that we do is meant to drive a better and more valuable client experience. And hopefully we can provide that. And I, I really wanted to take my experience from sitting in the seat as an advisor and also to building a technology company and bridge them together and bridge the understandings and the lessons that I've learned from all of our research and knowledge of other companies outside of our industry and also my knowledge of being in the industry and really bridge that together to help give actionable, relatable, relevant insight into what we can do with this information as opposed to just reading it. How do we actually implement it and make ourselves better? And there's no better way of doing that than with the community. And so I have my thoughts and I have my ideas, but it's only one person. And so what we're trying to do is build a community here at Bridging the Gap that can help to benefit from others' opinions and conversations. We may not all agree with me, but but we can at least have a conversation about it. And that's okay. I don't want everybody always to agree. Let's just have a conversation about it because it makes all of us smarter. We're trying to make the industry as a whole continue to evolve and become better. We can always be better. And so, you know, community is built based off of more people. So be sure to share this podcast and and follow us so you get alerted of all the new updates, either on Spotify or Apple or SoundCloud, whatever it may be. But go and share and comment and engage with this podcast. Share with some friends in the industry that you may think it would be beneficial for. And hopefully we can continue to build this community uh, to better this industry and create better client experiences and services going forward together. So really excited about it. And today we're talking about client segmentation, something that's so really valuable to helping us build and scale our business and deliver that personalized client experience. And you know, we've all been there before, right? We're, we're sitting there, we're bored, maybe in a meeting or just sitting there on, our, on, on the couch at the house and we're wanting to clock out for a second. And so we open up our phone and first stop tends to be social media, right? Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it may be. And as we scroll through, especially on Facebook and Instagram, we start to see our friends and how perfect their lives are. And in between you know, their perfection based on their videos and their pictures and how life is going so well for everybody, we start to see some pictures and words and we start to see these ads. These ads, uh, they seem so relevant to us, right? As we're scrolling through and we're seeing perfection, you know, how do I, how do they know that I love Lululemon or that I'm a fan of Tiger Woods? And they keep pushing this content of the newest ABC pants at Lululemon or the, you know, the most recent news article in Golf Magazine about Tiger Woods. You know, they keep pushing this to me. And so despite all of that, you know, these continue, we just continue to scroll through social media, right? We see these ads. 
We continue just to scroll on through and see our friends' perfect lives and wonder just how perfect it is. And, and then we hop out of social media and we go over and we start reading some news articles. And again, article after article, is, the recommendation is a Tiger Woods article. There's ads on the ABC pants. There's all of Lululemon. There's all these just really specific and targeted ads right at me. And then, you know, we continue to go through and we just are just wondering how it's also, you know, relevant to us. And eventually we bite and we click on one of those articles, one of those ads, and they got us. But but throughout all of this, we just always wonder, how the heck does every site and social media site know me so well? And we're starting to get a better understanding of it now as, as we've evolved and, and, and gathered more understanding. And it's really simple though, right? How these sites and advertisers know so much about us is they're grouping us. They're, they're grouping us based on different actions we take, clicks, views, how much time we spend reading certain things. And they're segmenting us based on the information and how it relates to others and whether we're more higher prone or more prone to be able to deliver us what they think will be most engaging to us. And they're, they're wanting to create this really relevant and relatable you know, advertising experience. And, and yes, don't get me wrong, right? This is creepy, right? And it's an advancement in technology that's one that's like gosh, maybe I wish that it was a little bit better. And there's been regulation that's come out to help to stave some of this off and you know, GDPR over in Europe and some of the things that are coming out here in the US. But let's put the creepiness aside for a second. Let's dig into this, what the kind of the root of what this is. And what it is, is it's a perfect example into how effective segmentation and being able to provide direct and relative content to the appropriate people at the right time and how effective and personalized that can be, right? We can segment our people based on information that we have to provide them relevant and engaging and relatable content and communication. And if that wasn't the case, right, then what we would be getting is just ads. There'd be lots of spending on ads and they'd be hoping that it would be hitting the right people and they'd be making more generalistic assumptions or observations in, in delivering that information, it wouldn't be as effective because you'd be getting an ad for, you know, Target, but you don't like to sharp at Target or, you know, brands like Nike, but you don't like Nike, you're rather Adidas. So you're getting all these things that just aren't resonating with you and aren't effective. And, and so creepiness aside, there's something valuable to be learned from here. And, and, and so then the question gets to, all right, Matt, that's really great. Thanks for reinvigorating this thought in my mind about how creepy advertising on social media is and how much they know and the internet knows about me, etc. So what does this have to do with financial advisors? Well, it's really, I think that I want to just be sure before we get into that, is that we got to put, we have to put that creepiness aside, right? Let's, let's alleviate that and let's just have an open mind about how this is effective from a business standpoint and being able to deliver enhanced client experience and service going forward in the valuable piece, which is the segmentation idea of things, right? How segmentation can help us elevate and, uh, and accelerate and extend our services, our value and our experience to our clients. And as a financial advisor, we really have the best potential of any industry or person to be able to extremely customize the experience of each and every client we have, all with the intention, of course, to elevate the value we deliver and elevate the experience the client has with our firm. Our clients expect us to provide proactive and relevant information to them. They are entrusting us with their personal fears, their worries, their wishes, their dreams and financial situation. And they expect that with that trust, they will be provided a white glove service to help them navigate their fears and worries 
and ultimately reach their dreams and wishes. That's what they want out of this relationship with us, right? And so yet as advisors, we find ourselves dropping the ball at times with this, right? Whether it's because they may not have enough AUM and they just kind of, we forget about them. We don't mean to. It's not like we're doing it on purpose. It just happens. We're growing. We're, we're having more people. We're having more demands. We're having to do more services. We're having to run our business as well. And it just becomes difficult. And, and, and so that's where I think segmentation can really help. And all of this really stemmed from a conversation I had with a friend in this industry. And, and you know, they had just experienced, and it was just in the moment, right? I had just reached out to him and we were talking and he had just had this experience. So it was top of mind and relevant. And, and he had this experience where the client was frustrated and he just got the phone with them and they felt that the relationship or the service that was being offered to the client was reactive. And the advisor, I know him really well. He's not react. He's proactive. He's thoughtful. And he's passionate about serving and helping clients. And so it kind of actually hurt and stung him uh, a little bit as well. And, you know, they explained, the client explained to my friend that they, that they, they were receiving general information and were only being serviced when they asked or sent in, when they asked, you know, in a meeting or sent in an email or a question or a concern and, and that they had wished that the team was more proactive. And, and I, that resonated. I get that. I've had that conversation with clients in the past and, and it's forced me to, to continue to evolve the way I, I, I run my businesses and I, I serve my clients and, and everything of that nature. And so I just started uh, you know, asking questions as I usually do and sometimes it becomes annoying, but I kept on just asking questions and, and they were more mainly why questions, right? Why aren't you all more proactive? Like, What's holding you back? Why is that such a time-consuming? Why is that more valuable than doing X, Y, and Z? Why is it so time-consuming to be proactive versus re- reactive? Why did the client feel that everything was general? Do you send out newsletters? What's in those newsletters? Why do you include certain articles in the newsletters? How, how do you go through that process? And why are you all not able to provide more custom proactive communication to each client? Why is it so time-consuming? Why is it so difficult what types of technologies are you using? What types of processes do you have? And, and it kind of was just a really engaging and, and, and open-minded conversation by both of us. And the answers tended to come back to two, two main points, time and data. That's what it tended to come back to. And the time it would take to sift through all of the data and notes to be able to find proactive touchpoint opportunities and relatable content for each specific client would consume the team and ultimately stunt growth. And growth is kind of the, the key, right? And yes, we, we, are, we are focused on helping serve clients, but you know we have a business to run. If we don't run the business the right way and we don't grow the business, then we're not going to be able to serve clients at all because it's just not it's not a nonprofit right and so we have to balance all of that in the time to be able to go and think through every single client and make sure that what we're saying to them is proactive and and, and valuable to them it, it just the time and then the data getting the data in there's no processes in the firm to help with that to get the data in and and to help them you know organize that in a, in a way that can be utilized for that standpoint and so it becomes it becomes difficult for for the for the for the advisor and and, and their team and so you know what we took away and, and I kind of want to walk through this is that we continue to expand this conversation and the takeaways and you know it, it led me down this path of how do we create ba- better processes 
for for an inputting data to enable us to be better at being proactive at scale, right? How can we go from being this really reactive, not all the way just to being really, you know, personalized and, and proactive for every single person, but how do we move along that spectrum to get closer to the middle, right? And and I know that's baby steps. So how can we move from at least being proactive at scale to smaller groups of clients so that they start seeing it. And then we can go to being hyper-personalized for each individual client, right? How do we become hyper-personalized for groups of clients? And and it all leads back to the segmentation. And as an industry, we tend to focus on some uh, segmenting our clients based on AUM, right? Our platinum clients are, have AUM of 5 million and above, our gold or a million to five and et cetera, right? The challenge here is that this basic segmentation doesn't allow for customization that we found out about my friend's client in that conversation. And, you know, because for instance, do all platinum clients, do they all need information on RMDs or Medicare? Or are there 50-year-olds or 40-year-olds in there that, that that's irrelevant to or fall in deaf ears? And, and can I, and you know, I come across a travel package. It's like, hey, I want to be able to send this to all my clients. Can I send that to all my platinum clients? Or is it going to fall on deaf ears to them? And and finally, do all of my $5 million clients worry about small market drops the same way or or just a small few? And so if I send them something about the market dropping, is it going to spur more angst and anxiety for those that actually don't really mind what's going on? But now because they hear from you, they're worried or or you know, is it going to be enough and detailed enough for those that do worry, right? How do you get to that point? And you know, the way that we initially segment our clients isn't wrong, right? This is the tendency of all firms and it's the easiest way to do it. And that's why we start out with this type of segmentation. And, you know, as an industry though, we have to do a better job of deepening and evolving segmentation. And that starts with understanding the best approach to segmentation for our firm. What is the goals of our specific firm? Is it to grow referrals? Is it the lower churn rate? Is it to, you know, organically grow or you know inorganically grow whatever it may be right and and then that leads into how we want to implement the appropriate processes and who do we want to own it what are the workflows what's the data we need how we're going to get the data how we're going to maintain it how we're going all these types of questions of running the business and it can be and seem really daunting but it's a really important part of our business that we don't give enough credit to and we always look back and we say well why aren't we growing enough you know should we spend more on marketing dollars? Should we should we go in and buy a new firm? Like, what is why why aren't we growing? Why aren't we you know seeing the type of of, of growth that we desire? And 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 it really sometimes does we we overlook some of these processes that are so valuable and needed and, and opportunities for us to grow. So for me, I see three methods of segmentation. Right, I see a beginner, an intermediate, and advanced. Very simple. Let's just keep it basic, right? The beginner. This is the example we talked about above, right? The based on AUM. It's a. It's the quickest and easiest, and the one that we all use when we first start out because it's the easiest and it makes the most sense. We're just trying to get our business going. We just want to have something, and this is where it goes. And too often we forget about segmentation, and so it stays that way even as we continue to grow. And so what this method is is that we use one data point. So we either use age, we use AUM or we use location, whatever it may be, and we tier them into different segments, usually three to five segments. And that's our segmentation. And sometimes we deal pricing with that, or we deliver different services on that, or communication, et cetera, but that's it from the beginner side, right? The intermediate method of segmentation, this is a method that builds on 
on the beginner method, right? So we, we utilize the beginner method here and we build on top of that. So here we start to add multiple variables or multivariate method, right? And, and we usually add three to five variables. And so we may use AUM still, but then we may layer in age and we may layer in location or source that they came from. And we now have multiple variables. And the one different decision that we have to do is not only do we have to add more variables, how do we want to weight these variables to create a score that we can then bucket into three or five, uh, three to five segments based on scoring ranges, right? Or, or uh, quartiles, quintiles, whatever you might, might want to do. And so you have to determine how you want to weight them. And so do you want to have them evenly weighted? Is AUM the most important and the source is the least important, but you want to have them even weighted? Or do you want to say AUM is the most important, so I want it to have a higher weighting than source. And so you can then start start pointing out and, and weighting that methodology, and then you group them based on their ranges of, of the scores, right? You add them all up, you average them out, whatever you want to do, and you start to create your ranges for segments. So that's the intermediate side of it. And then the, the last one is, is the advanced side, right? So the advanced methodology continues to build on each of the prior two methods, right? The advanced segmentation is an additional layer on top of the intermediate method. And, and this method really calls for, this is a this method is going to be able to hyper-personalize at scale and will allow you to move across the spectrum to hyper-personalize individually for each individual client if you go this method, but it takes time. With all the most impactful and valuable things, they take time, they take effort, and they take monitoring and iteration. And that's what this advanced method is going to need. You're going to have to have constant monitoring. You're going to have to kind of iterate it, understand it. You're going to have to be gathering some data points from everybody. So you're going to have to set up workflows and monitor that that data is coming in because otherwise it's going to be garbage in, garbage out. And so you have to really monitor it. And so within this method, we, we layer in a spe in specific client needs, attitudes, and behaviors to the data points and weight each, each of those data points on the scale that we determined in the intermediate, whether evenly or uh, data point based, based. So each of them have different weights, whatever is chosen. So these, these types of, of, of data points include things like, is the client focused on performance? So that could be just a field in your CRM, yes or no. And that has a weighting. Do they have hands-off personality? Do they have a desire to pass money to their heirs? What are their hobbies, et cetera? This is where you can start layering hobbies, but it's mainly behavioral, attitudinal type of, of, of data points that you can only get as a human conversation with them that you're updating and putting in based on the prospect meetings. And you add those data in, and now you have a more complex segmentation, but now it's even more hyper-personalized based on these segments because you know so much more detail on them. You're going from a very large focus of just one data point to multiple data points, getting more focused and now really hyper-focused. And so once you have your model, now you need to really create the processes for how the data is going to flow in. You know, is this part of the post-meeting note information gathering from your advisors to get after a prospect? Do you get it in the client information sheet? So you have to get the data flow process in, in built in as well. And then once you get that and you understand who's going to own that process, which we'll talk about here in a second as, as some action items, then you can now use the data to hyper-personalize communication at scale. And so what does that look like? Well, I mean, it, what it looks like is that you can have webinars that you invite only your worry work clients to, and you can talk to them more in depth to ease their fears. And for the non-worriers, you can just send them a quick note. Hey, just check it in. Let me know if you have anything, touch and base. But they don't need to hear everything if they're not worried. They just want to know you're there, that you're able to see them, and you can now bifurcate your time 
and eliminate the ability of stirring the pot. And some of the advisors always say, well, I don't want to send that out because I don't want to just wake a bear. I don't want to poke the bear. But now you know who the bear is and who to poke and who not to poke. And you're able to provide more of an experience. And and then you can even go another step further. Now you can send all of your golfer hobby clients, which is the data point that you're gathering. You can send them a travel package information that you just came across. And it's like, hey, I've been thinking about you. And you cannot do this at scale. It's relevant, engaging to them, and spurs some thought. And then for the you know the theater clients, you can send them theater packages and and and, and news that you find and come across on on different plays and, and theater opportunities that are coming across. And then you have the opp- ability to create hyper personalized and proactive strategy for all of your clients based on their needs and their desires. And so you know Medicare or, or or charitable gifting, you can you can have those conversations more specific to them. You can search now because you have the data being inputted in a properly way. So you can now search more effectively. You can engage more hyper and, and personalized, and you can now be more proactive in nature. And so this can alleviate the the client that wants to be contacted versus the one that is okay with things being hands off. Right? You have the balance and understanding now, but you have to get this information into your model and into your CRM. And into your processes so that you can, you know, start being able to be more hyper-personalized at scale. So, you know, what what this really comes down to from my standpoint is that there's a lot, right? There's a lot that goes into this. And and it's a process that that can't just be one and done, meaning that you do it and you just put it on the shelf and it just runs on its own. And Yes, a lot of it. It's not going to take day, you know, every day of your, you know, every hour of your day to mon- monitor it. It may take a long time to set it up, and then your your time continues to go down, and then you'll re-engage with it over time as you start monitoring and tracking it. But the benefit is extreme. It increases the the stickiness of clients. They stay with us. They see the value because remember, the value that you're providing is in the perception of the beholder or the client. And you want to ensure that they're continuously seeing the value. That that kind of surprise and delight moment is so valuable in, in, in terms of helping the client continue to build trust and faith and also just helping you to be top of mind to them, which will ultimately help <clears throat> you grow. It will help your churn rate, et cetera. And those surprise delight moments that you can do at scale more effectively are just going to continue to build up and build up and, and be a value. So what do we need to do? There's four four steps that I see, right? Step one is it starts at, you need to determine what you want to accomplish with a new segmentation strategy. Is it more referrals? Is it less churn? Is it to get more client engagement? You just want your clients to just be engaged with you, right? What is your firm goal that you're trying to do? And make sure that you set that out clearly and be able to communicate that to everybody as you launch this new segmentation strategy to your internal team that you know that you're able to present. This is why we're doing it. And this is the impact it's going to have on you, advisor, you, CSA, you, operations team, etc. Then you need to determine who can own this process. Because yes, to do this right, you need an owner of the process. And what I always suggest in these types of processes is you find a high potential employee that's a young, high potential that wants to, you know, that may be more up to speed on technology and and et cetera, and have a little bit more time, but they want to take some sort of ownership and value in some of the aspects of the firm. Give them this opportunity 
and, and allow them to run with it and give them that, that sense of ownership. And so find someone that can own this process because it will take time. You want to come back to it. You want to analyze it. You want to tweak it. You want to make it better, right? You want to make it better for the client. You want to make it better for the firm. You want to make it better for the employees, et cetera. So find a high potential. That's step number two. Step number three is give that high potential or that owner of this project the reins to develop the method for segmentation and the strategy and process to gather information. Back off. That's what I'm saying. Back off off and let them run with it and provide you with with answers. Now, you have to make the expectations very clear. I want it done by this time. I want tracking of X and B. Give them the guardrails and then let them go and pave the road. And that's really important. It's something that's hard. It's been hard for me. It's hard for every owner, founder, manager, etc. But you have to let them do that and let them run with it and, and go build it out and make sure that they, you know, the expectation could be you have to send me an update every two weeks of your progress and you can help coach them and guide them, but let them build it and implement it and, and, and be the stakeholder in it. And from that standpoint. So that's number three, number four. And, and this is one that I know is it kind of maybe seems counterintuitive or you know, hypocritical or, or um, going against what I just mentioned. But as a leader in the firm, although you're giving the reins away, you have to be the champion to push this firm wide, right? You are looked at as the leader and you have to be the one that pushes this firm wide. Why is it important to the firm? Why did you choose XYZ to be the, the, the person? Why did people need to follow the processes and get the data in? And you have to be the champion of it to help the person that you have put in as the champion to be elevated up to get the respect to understand it. If you expect them to go and get the respect that's needed to get this working within your firm, it's not going to happen likely, right? Unless it's like a co-founder that's doing this or maybe another partner or something of that nature. But you have to help them be the leader and the champion of this idea. Because if you're, if not, then it'll just fall flat. So you know, those would be my four steps that we would look at to get this off the ground and running. Now, within step three, once you give them the reins, they have a ton of, of decisions to go through, right? They have to determine what methodology, what data points, what weighting system, what's the process of getting the data, what's the simplest way, testing it with some of the some of the, the advisors and the team members, iterating it, then implementing it, and then working with marketing and how do you want to utilize this data, but let them take those steps forward, right? There's a ton of different iterative steps that go into that process that have to be thought through, and that's what the owner of the project really should be focused on. And so, you know, being targeted by advertisers on social media and during our web searches is probably the most annoying thing that has come with such advanced technologies, right? I mean, and maybe robo-text and robo-calls is right up there close to it. But there is no denying how relevant and personalized those advertisements get that are directed at us, right? We, as financial advisors, though, are, are in the business of providing exceptional and valuable service to end clients to help give them peace of mind and clarity in their financial journey, right? We have a responsibility as financial advisors to ensure that each client is receiving this value in the way and format that they want when they want it. And given our role in the process, right, we have the ability to shape the experience to be hyper, hyper personalized, not for our benefit, but rather for the benefit of the client to help them continue to understand their situation, their journey, and ultimately reach their goals, wishes, dreams, desires that they're hoping that we can help with. And so this 
idea of segmentation, this idea of gathering more information, analyzing and segmenting clients to provide hyper-personalized communication will never diminish the need of the human in the relationship. What it actually does is it elevates us to be even better at serving each and every one of our unique clients in a very unique and customized and personalized way. It's just another step. We all are very customized and personalized with each of our clients. This is just another step to continue to make it better. If we stay status quo and just stay stuck in our ways, there are firms that are going to continue to pass us. And so we have to continue to try to make things incrementally better. And this is an opportunity for us to make communication, personalization, customization for our clients incrementally better. And that's what's exciting. So that's where my thoughts are on segmentation. This was a really awesome conversation that I have with my friend. And I wanted to be able to share it with you. And again, as we always talk about, if you enjoyed this content, let me know what you think about segmentation, right? How do you all segment your clients? How can you all be better at segmenting your clients? What's worked? What hasn't worked? Let's start a conversation around this. Let's create this community and be sure to share this with your other colleagues and your company and also with your friends in the industry because it can be helpful, right? And it's all about helping this industry be as best of service to as many potential clients as possible with an amazing experience with as many services as possible in doing so that's both beneficial to the client the employees and the company from that standpoint so be sure to like this share this send it around let me know what you think on segmenting clients and again thank you so much for taking some time of your day and spending it with me here on bridging the gap again matt reiner with bridging the gap thank you so much have a great rest of your day Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. They say-